0: Hey, No Whip listeners. Before social distancing was a thing, we sat down with Brooke Siem for a glass of wine. She's a world traveler, breathwork coach, athlete, baker, writer, and if that wasn't enough, an advocate for grief and mental health. We chat all about her awesomeness and get some real talk in about anxiety and breathwork, what it's like losing a parent, grief, and Brooke's current book project. Cheers, ladies! Cheers. That's a good sound.
1: In Argentina, they mix mix red wine and cherry coke. What?
0: Why is a cocktail? I feel like I mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't it be? Uh, Welcome (laughs) to the No Wit Podcast. Today we're drinking not an Argentinian wine, sadly, but a South Australian Shiraz from Yalumba. It is organic. And vegan-friendly. <laughs> I got
2: it Lauren. at Darby's. <laughs> it is It's, it's really tasty. I like it. I like it a lot.
0: Yeah. It's like a little fruitier than I normally go for, but I like it, which is good. Yeah. Today we have a very special guest, Brooke. <laughs> she has been a long time CrossFit member at our gym and general awesome person. <laughs> oh, thanks. So we're really stoked to have her on the pod sadly hillary is not here she is living her best life on vacation in brazil so hey hill
2: we miss you (laughs) we
0: miss you (laughs) so brooke tell us tell the no whip listeners about you well let's see we're
1: in vancouver canada but i am not canadian i am american America. American. Most of my American friends are really jealous that I get to live in Canada part time given <laughs> everything that's going on in the world. And oh, yeah. I I also consider myself lucky. However, when I'm in the US, I have been in my hometown in Reno, Nevada, most of the time. I came here by way of eight years in New York where I owned a bakery.
0: Yes. We made
1: alcoholic mm-hmm. cupcakes. Yes. People liked it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think I would be a millionaire based on that brilliant idea, but apparently you have to sell a lot, a lot, (laughs) a lot, a lot of cupcakes in order to break that million-dollar mark, and we just didn't even get there. But ultimately, I left New York in order to travel around the world for a year,
0: and
1: I ended up here accidentally, met my now partner at a sushi restaurant very close to here. (laughs) The eatery. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've never been. I've never been. We're it's a culinary like disaster, but <laughs> but, um, but I mean, people when? here really like it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I ended up there. There was banana in our sushi, like literal banana what? on the sushi, and I was I was so thrown off by it. I have to preface this by saying that I've I've Ew. worked in yeah, I, yeah. I had a culinary degree. I worked in New York City restaurants. Like I'm a huge food snob, and then they put banana in this sushi, and it was soggy and disgusting, and I just Ew. couldn't handle it. Oh. And then two people sat down next to us, and. I overheard them contemplating ordering this tragic dish. Oh my gosh. They were going to get the banana thing? They were going to get the banana thing. And I felt like it was my culinary duty not to let them make that same mistake. And so I interrupted them (laughs) and said, just so you know, I mean, this was totally full of like douche canoe you know, calmnessness. <laughs> but I said, just so you know, I'm a professional chef and that's the one of the worst things I've ever tasted you should not order it. I can't <laughs> let anybody else do this. Oh <laughs> my god. And they ordered it anyway because at that point they were like, well now we have to try it. Oh
2: no. Oh. Flash forward three years and I'm living in so, one of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, but if they never invented that, you... It's Probably true. Probably never would have met but him. It's or. true. My so. life was changed by a terrible restaurant.
1: <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that's why I'm in Vancouver. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm lucky because my life has me it's very, fairly transient at this point. Yeah. I pretty much have two homes. I do a lot of traveling in between at this point. Most of it's for work. Mm-hmm. But I've been lucky to go to a lot of places for pleasure over the over time. And so now I, I work I work from home. I'm a freelance writer, and I also
0: do recipe development for a nutrition company. So. Amazing. Some, I've seen some of those recipes, <laughs> mm-hmm. like the ones with like where it's like healthy cookie dough. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Made with sweet potatoes. So good. So
0: good. <laughs> so you're in Vancouver for a short time right now, and we are blessed to have you mm-hmm. on our podcast. <laughs> I'm so stoked. But, I mean, you've done so many things. You're like baker, chef. Like,
2: writer, business owner, <laughs> yeah, like, former. Everything, and you're only how? 34. 34, that's amazing. Recently 34. Amazing. Oh. When did you turn 34? In February. Ooh, are you a Pisces too?
0: No, I'm an Aquarius. i early February. Oh yeah, Aquarius. Okay, well that was one of my quick questions. <laughs> so answered. <laughs> As a professional foodie, what is your like one to die for food, dish, whatever It may be. In Vancouver specifically? or in the world. Just like anything. Like if it was like going to be like your last meal.
1: Well, so one thing that like I think a lot of people misunderstand about people who work with food all day long is they think that all our tastes are like highfalutin and that we just want (laughs) to put truffles on everything and (laughs) want wagyu steak and all these things. But in my experience, my own personal experience, and also the just having been around these people for so long, we tend to want the opposite of what we work with. Mm -hmm. So So craft dinner. (laughs) <laughs> like, well, like, literally, I would rather go to someone's house and have them make me craft dinner <laughs> than have them, like, freak out about making me something yeah, yeah, or take sure. me to a super fancy, probably mediocre restaurant because at the end of the day, like, I've yeah. been very lucky to have eaten all around the world and eaten in amazing restaurants and mm-hmm. what I've learned from all that is that I don't care what's on my plate, I care about the company and I yeah. care about the meaning and the emotion put into the food so like my for me a last meal would be my mom's lasagna Oh yeah, which like I'm biased I also think it's probably the best lasagna
2: in the world but but it has so much more to it right yeah there's comfort there's love there's
1: it's it's just that and and so you know I that I mean that would definitely be my that's the food I always go to, but even like the food that I want to eat most of the time is really simple. Okay, and what's your favorite way to sweat? God, I, my mind just went to a million places and not the good ones. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: okay, actually, probably my favorite way to sweat would be in a sauna.
2: Okay, there you go, I like <laughs> but that.
1: Followed yes. by an ice bath. Yes. It's oh. the contrast yes. that I like—the hot, cold. Yeah. I, do I love that. that. Yeah. I don't like that.
0: Like when I, whenever I've gone to Scandinavia, I'm like. I will, yeah. like, put my toe in the cold. Like, I, mm. that is I know so it's funny. good for you, yeah. but I hate it. Yeah. The toe, putting your toes, I think, is worse than just going <laughs> than,
2: in. Yeah. It probably
0: is, but I'm, like, Maybe a
2: baby. I shock. love it. Like, I actually, yep. like, afraid, like every morning I'll take, like, a warm shower. I don't, like, hot. Oh. And I'll just, like, crank the, the cold water. I do that, too. And get in and just, like, front for, like, a few seconds and then the back. I'm, like, okay, I'm ready. So yeah. why do you yeah. do that? I just, I feel fresh. I feel good. Like, it makes me feel, feel really, like, alive, essentially. But hot, I just, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like feeling that, like, when you get out of, like, a hot shower, Mm -hmm. unless it's, like, freezing out. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel good. You just feel sticky. Interesting.
1: Well, so I, I'm an XBT coach. So we do, I, the XBT stands for. Um, extreme performance training so we do breath work we do we do movement we do fire and ice which is heat and cold Mm -hmm. contrast therapies and I became an XBT coach specifically because of all the work and interest I have around mental health and Mm -hmm. anxiety and depression and how to treat that without medication Mm -hmm. and so one of the reasons why I find ice baths to be so effective for people is because and same thing with cold mm-hmm. showers, only ice bath is significantly like ramped up. Great, yeah. <laughs> but in those moments, even if it's 10 seconds in the shower, mm-hmm. you are focused on nothing other than the feeling of
3: mm-hmm.
1: freezing cold water hitting your chest mm-hmm. or your head. 100%. And it elicits these responses in your body that make you pay attention and it forces you to be present and it cuts off any mental loops that you're having. Mm-hmm. And so I find it to just be such like a nice break (laughs) yeah that you just kind of don't really realize you need until you do it despite the fact that the turning on the cold water right away is pretty awful and uncomfortable (laughs) Uncomfortable (laughs) and you know
2: it's going to be uncomfortable
1: yeah Yeah. and you have to force yourself to stay there and you know force yourself to to breathe through it or you know if you have a protocol around it to do the protocol Mm -hmm. but it it To me, it's just, like, a 30-second meditation. Like, you get the benefits of, like, 10, 15 minutes of meditation in 30 seconds by by getting in a nice bath or taking a cold shower.
2: An interesting thing, because a lot of people don't feel like they can meditate, and they're like, I just can't, like, concentrate or can't Mm -hmm. do this. And you're totally right, where it's like, you actually aren't thinking about (laughs) anything else. Like, nothing but that. Mm -hmm. You just saying that made me realize, like, yeah, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: oh, my
2: God. It is like the one time that I am not thinking yeah. about anything else, mm-hmm. and it's a total reset. And so you kind of end up in this almost
1: afterglow of mm-hmm. like non non anxious thought or whatever it is. You yeah. you have a you have a rest period that I think the the mind and body really needs, and that's why I particularly value like ice baths. We stay in it like two to three minutes at a time. We do it multiple mm-hmm. times in you know an hour period and so you stumble home in this Mm -hmm. kind of state of relaxed bliss that is so rare to find wow and i just find it so valuable and i i I miss it i like crave it when i don't get it to the point where i'm like going to the store like ready to buy some ice packs and throw them in a
2: bathtub in a hotel or wherever i'm at It is. That's probably when I leave the Scandinavian. I feel like a different person completely Mm -hmm. because you go from that contrast of hot and Mm -hmm. cold and hot and cold. Mm -hmm. And I was just—I even messaged you about that on Instagram. I was watching the. um, Goop, goop, yeah. Oh. Uh, And she did. They did one on Wim Hof, and I was really interested in like what you do and the difference between that and what in Wim Hof method.
0: Okay,
1: so. I'm not certified in the Wim Hof method, so but I have taken a couple courses mm-hmm. on the Wim Hof method, and I know how we use it in relation to XBT. So, the the basic difference between the two is that Wim Hof method is a single breathing modality, mm-hmm. whereas XBT is not so much a single breathing modality as much as we bring together breathing modalities from the whole breathwork spectrum, mm-hmm. and teach people how to use each modality. In the correct environment mm. for whatever they need so mm. we use wim hof style breathing methods and wim hof style breathing methods it's a guy named wim hof he's what is he sweet danish swedish swedish or dutch i think dutch i think dutch he,
2: yeah uh, I like he's from it. a scan like a <laughs> he, <Wornick> country <laughs> yeah
1: he's this like physical Anomaly. Yeah. He can lower his heart rate oh, uh, wow. yeah. to like near death levels simply mm-hmm. using his breathing techniques. He likes to go for shirtless walks. He's yeah. in the in the in the in the snowbanks for wow. hours. He can. He's he's physically been studied on his ability yeah. to lower his heart rate and his body temperature through his own
2: breathing and mind, mm-hmm. and so. He's he's a bit of a legend yeah, in this community. <laughs> like he's been through a lot too. Like he lost his wife, and they had like three kids, I think. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so I think that's where it all stemmed from: yeah. is his anxiety and mm-hmm. his depression
0: yeah.
2: from from losing his wife and then having to raise three kids. Mm-hmm. So it's it is Damn. kind of yeah. interesting to see that too, how that kind of goes full circle.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. Yeah. But it can be like I didn't watch that goop episode. Yeah, but, like, I know it, it was really good. It's like if he can lower his body temperature and like heart rate that much.
1: Yeah, but... it's it's crazy.
0: Whoa. He's so positive.
1: Yeah, he's 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 <laughs> just kind of he's kind of a magnet yeah, of yeah. a personality. I follow him on Instagram and yeah. I'm just I like, know. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna yeah. be your friend. Yeah. Uh, For sure. But his particular breathing method involves breathing in and out of the mouth typically the mouth, at a at a very mm-hmm. rapid rate in, a, in order to flush your body with oxygen and dump out carbon dioxide. So you basically, it's oxygen saturate your body, which creates, like, it changes the blood gases in your body. And so what happens then is you feel a lot of physical sensations mm-hmm. that are very similar to really, really high-level meditation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so some people find that doing the Wim Hof method can get them to a level of, in a meditative state that would take... Decades. If you're mm-hmm. trying to meditate, um, other people just get a lot of energy out of it. Some people just, you know, find it just helps them go about their day-to-day lives. And so, it's a. It, I find. I think it's a very useful thing to do. But it's just one aspect of kind of XBT breath work. Because, for example, you would never want to do Wim Hof breathing mm-hmm. before bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you're going to be wired. Whereas yeah. in XBT, we can take breath work techniques that we've gathered and, and taught people how to do and. Tell you okay if you have trouble sleeping. This is exactly what you can do Got in order it. to downregulate. Mm-hmm. Also, the biggest difference is that, you know, I don't Wim Hof himself may know a lot of the mechanics about breathing and oxy- oxygenation and CO two and the Bohr mm-hmm. effect and all the all the physiological ways that your body processes breath and why people, in general, in Western societies, are so bad at breathing because mm-hmm. people are really really mm-hmm. bad at breathing, mm-hmm. but. The Wim Hof method does not address any of that at all. Mm -hmm. So from my standpoint, kind of knowing more about breathing dysfunction and what it means to be breathed properly. Wim Hof to me seems like a modality that you use to get to a specific goal. But if you have breathing dysfunction, Mm -hmm. it's not going to address that at all. Whereas what we do is help people reset their breathing patterns. So therefore, when you're sleeping, when you're sitting at your desk, when you're Mm -hmm. at the gym, you're breathing better, you're breathing smarter, you start understanding how your breath can also be the, it can be the gear shift for your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then really, in theory, suddenly Wim Hof becomes a lot more effective. Your Wim Hof style breathing is gonna be better because you're gonna be able to do longer breath holds. You're gonna be able to control the way your diaphragm and your rib cage is moving in a way that makes his practices more effective. Interesting. You must work with so you work
0: with like all sorts of different people
1: to (laughs)
0: like help them breathe for different situations.
1: Yeah, the people that I've worked with mostly have been people who are looking to calm they're looking for active tools to help with anxiety in the moment because so many of the coping mechanisms and techniques that we teach people are like more like bird's eye view stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're in the middle of a panic attack and you're by yourself, yeah. You need to know what you can do right in that moment in order to calm down. So I work with that and then I also work with athletes who are trying to not suck wind during a warm up, which Yes. You go into any CrossFit gym and uh, you've yeah. got people panting like golden retrievers in the middle of a yeah. warm-up and it's just, it's oh, not yeah. what's supposed to happen. Yeah. No, you're you're warming up. You only pant when you're going like 98%, like all out sprint, then you can pant. Yeah,
2: in a warm-up. No, like, no, no. No, it is quite interesting. Um, I wish that more, this was like more readily available to like people like I feel like doctors should be teaching this stuff like we should be it should be more well known like if you've ever had a panic attack it is one of the scariest things I had one one time we were traveling from Wisconsin to Michigan and it was like a blizzard snowstorm and our bus driver swerved or stopped to like miss a deer mm-hmm. crossing mm-hmm. and we stopped and a girl behind me screamed mm-hmm. and it brought me right back to yeah. my accident mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I took a second and then all of a sudden I like went back there mm-hmm. and I tried to break the glass to get out of the bus like you,
1: I like thought you were I thought I was in that, that mm-hmm. in that
2: situation and to me that situation lasted a few minutes it was like 45 minutes they yeah. had to like Pull me – they had to drive off to the side, pull me out of the bus. Ambulance came. Wow. They had to assess, like, me, and they're, like, she's actually having a severe panic attack. Like, I couldn't – like, I was breathing mm-hmm. so fast, and, like, I couldn't feel my body. Whoa. And they had to, like, shoot me up with Ativan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had to stay
3: mm-hmm.
2: overnight, mm-hmm. And, and then they had to, like – I had to be on Ativan for, like, the week because I Whoa. would – the potential of me going back into that panic attack was pretty like high yeah. so they had to keep you on like a low dose of Ativan but mm-hmm. it was the scariest thing because and it was scary for everybody mm-hmm. around me yeah. and like one of my best friends who knew what had happened to me mm-hmm. knew was like she was there and she was just like holding me mm-hmm. to try mm-hmm. to like keep me from not hurting myself because mm-hmm. once I got into the ambulance I was trying to break everything mm-hmm. and that's when they were like out of yeah. van <laughs> Damn. do
0: you yeah. remember that? I
2: remember very like pieces of it I remember trying to break the glass to get out of mm-hmm. the bus mm-hmm. I remember screaming yeah. like at the top of my lungs yeah. and then I just remember being on the side of the road which was mm-hmm. the scariest part because that's where I was after the mm-hmm. accident and that's where I saw my mom being like mm-hmm. yeah. carried off mm-hmm. and, and like that like was the scariest thing and for, so I was on the side of the road again Mm-hmm. And it just brought back so much trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I felt like if I knew when I heard that first scream, if I knew how to breathe, mm-hmm. I could have mm-hmm. prevented all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, which mm-hmm. is why I think it's so important instead of putting somebody on, you know, medication mm-hmm. for that, we could just teach them. Yeah. Like instead of here's a prescription, for this drug, hey, here's a prescription to go to this class to learn how to breathe. I deal with it. Deal like to yeah. to actually have great tools in your pocket to mm-hmm. to then be able to use for your life. So then your life becomes a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, if you think of a panic attack, panic attack, and you think of how you were breathing during that time, people effectively are going. <laughs> oh <No>, yeah. <laughs> right. So if you Start paying attention. I'd be curious if you start paying attention to your breathing patterns throughout the day, and if you could almost plot where your anxiety ticks mm-hmm. up and how you're breathing at the time,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you'll probably start to notice correlations with mm-hmm. the fact that when you start to kick into that over breathing,
3: mm-hmm.
1: the anxiety is going to go up, especially as someone who has trauma mm-hmm. who can so easily slip back into that state. Yeah, I know that for me, what what was astounding uh, was that, so we haven't talked about this yet, but so I also lost my father when I was a kid, when I was 15, and I was put on antidepressants right away, and I was on them for the next 15 years, and then when I was 30, I decided to come off them, which is the reason why I left my business in New York, and it's why I decided to travel around the world. Actually, the mm-hmm. opportunity to travel happened <laughs> first, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to... This is a perfect to- time. To- <laughs> <laughs> like, awful timing but I was like I'm not gonna be able to get these drugs in the middle of nowhere Cambodia I just didn't trust that I was gonna be able to get it and I had a set itinerary so I was able to see what the where I was gonna be and I just said this is way too risky yeah and I'd been on the drugs for so long at that point that I was quite literally had I stayed on the drugs oh god I think the actual timing I've done I've done the math and it was like I had spent like exactly half my life plus one day on the drugs oh. and I realized and you're that like uh, I'm done yeah I had gone mm-hmm. into that like 51 percent territory yeah. where the mm-hmm. I could say that the majority of my life and my entire adult life was medicated on yeah. heavy psychiatric drugs and I was miserable like either they this they weren't working or it was not for me or I needed to
2: be on something else or yeah. so the, no matter what you were not happy yeah something like, had to change yeah
0: also how do you know yourself at that point because everything oh. like learning yourself everything happens from like 15 to like late yeah. 20s like so that's what my book is about effectively <laughs> oh my god a book bu- but yes.
1: but what happened was is I, I, I got off these drugs and I went into like what was a very severe antidepressant withdrawal but there's a lot of conflicting information about how long antidepressant withdrawal lasts like one of the drugs i was on effects or xr the half-life is fairly short like a matter of i think the half-life is like 24 hours or Mm -hmm. something like that so theoretically i know the half-life is like two hours so it gets out of your system in like twenty-four hours. Anyway, bottom line is the drug leaves your system really, really fast, and so I was kind of under this false impression
3: mm-hmm.
1: that I would return to some state of normalcy pretty quickly, which turned out not to be the case at all. It took many, many months for me to feel anything that resembled what what the new normal was. Yeah. And during that period I was having a hell of a time working out because Every time I would go to the gym and I would work out and my heart rate would go up, I would start to breathe. Mm-hmm. I would start to fall into these anxiety attacks. I wouldn't. They weren't full on panic attacks like mm-hmm. you described, but they were completely yeah. not being able to catch my breath, having to remove myself from the situation and just yeah. like gasping for air kind of situations that were... I was just so easily able to switch mm-hmm. over into that point. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I didn't know anything about breathwork. I had no idea how to yeah. how to calm myself sure. down. And so, I I didn't do it. I just stayed in the pain and had I not known that I had to stay off the drugs because I couldn't go take this opportunity yeah. while being on them, I would have 100% just gone back on them because I had no mm-hmm. no way to deal with it. Yeah. And then, interestingly, as like my year went on, I actually got some breathwork protocols from a healer. She like does Reiki and mm-hmm. shamanic things, and mm-hmm. she's giving me these <laughs> breathwork protocols. But the kind of danger with that is, and you know, I have mm-hmm. I have so much respect for this woman, but. Because she kinda didn't know enough about my history, yeah. she prescri now that I actually know about breath work and mm-hmm. know how these things work, she prescribed me a lot of things that naturally kick up your heart rate, they kick up your mm-hmm. breath rate. And so mm-hmm. I just kept being th- every I'd try and do what she told me and I would get thrust into these like anxiety inducing situ mm-hmm. like um, feelings. Yeah. I was by myself and on a That's couch. Like- but it would kick me into the same feeling of you know, out of control, Mm -hmm. super, super anxiety. And it was completely uncomfortable to the fact where I had to step back and say, I don't want to do this. And it wasn't until I became certified as a breathwork coach that I realized exactly what was happening in my body Mm -hmm. and that I was literally mimicking (laughs) an anxiety attack or a panic attack on purpose, Yeah, Yeah. but had no idea that I was doing that. And that by doing that, I was practicing how to be really, really anxious (laughs) in an instant. And so... Without kind of the full spectrum of information, information I think yeah. people don't really understand how this can affect them. And sometimes it can actually be detrimental because
2: yeah. we just tell people to breathe and they go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the opposite. It. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have to kind of yeah. know them and their story yeah. to kind of understand what so, they're what they're at. I had uh, an incident like that during a Reiki session, mm-hmm. which I didn't really know I was like 17 mm-hmm. so it, everything was very fresh and this guy was who was a coach at the time was doing Reiki and he didn't I didn't know what that was I was 17 like I was like <laughs> yeah. sure like I he was just like kind of doing some like I had a lot of neck pain so he's like kind of adjusting my neck but also doing some like cranial um, sacral therapy mm-hmm. and some Reiki but he also didn't know how much pain I was like currently in in that state like he knew me very well but like there was a lot that was going on that I wasn't mm-hmm. sharing yeah like I he didn't
0: know what was going on internally
2: internally like mm-hmm. I was battling like um an eating disorder I was you know like I my mom had died about a year ago and I get up from my breaky session I didn't know about yeah. <laughs> and my co one of my trainers looks at me she's like are you okay I'm like yeah I'm fine and I just had this glaze, apparently, like, look over me. And she's like, oh, you just don't look well. And, like, no one knew what was kind of, like, going on. And I go out to do, like, our dry land warm-up. I'm playing, like, junior hockey at the time. And so I go back in, and I'm about to, like, go into, like, with the rest of the girls. And I'm, like, I'm going to throw up. And I turn around and go back. And I'm, like, projectile vomiting Ugh. everywhere. And then I, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm so weak and I get on the ice and like I'm the goalie and I'm like call myself out cuz I'm going to throw up. Oh, I had to go to the hospital and Whoa. like get IVs like I was so dehydrated That's because crazy. they didn't know what was going on with yeah. like me. So it's it is amazing like what like that just that does to your body mm. like the the energy and the healing that can be taken out of you. can be detrimental Mm -hmm. if you don't know exactly what's going on. Like, there was too much taken out, right? Yeah.
0: Because
2: I was such a relaxed state because I didn't know what was going on, I think. Yeah. You know, so that was like, whatever, kind of thing. So it was quite... like a like,
0: physical reaction to that, like...
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. I didn't connect it until much later in life when I knew what breaky was. Mm -hmm. Right. I just thought I was sick.
1: Yeah.
2: And
1: I think... That illness is a manifestation of all the crap we have inside of us that has yeah. been unreleased.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so. So yeah. you
0: just, like, manifested it with projectile vomit? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just, yeah. Like, like, literally had to get that out <laughs> now. And, like, literally, it was, like,
2: out. So, <laughs> so did you feel crazy. better
0: after that? Like, obviously I felt like shit for a while, but then, like...
2: Yeah, once I got out of the hospital, like, I went home and... Yeah, I was like, I pretty, I think I'm, like I was 17. I milked that for a while. <laughs> like I was like, Dad, can you get me like a soda, like a Vernors or whatever? <laughs> but yeah, I definitely milked that for a day or two. Didn't go to school. <laughs>
0: I've never had anything like that. That's
2: yeah. interesting. Have you had any like healing work done? Or no. Oh man, no. We should do a session. We like, should definitely do. A we session. should have somebody come in. Mm-hmm. And do a session. You have to be careful though. Yeah, yes. There yes. are a lot of. <laughs> you may vomit. There are a lot of. There are also a
1: lot of like kind of charlatans out there. Oh, for people sure. who you yes. kind of just don't want in your energy field when you're that open. I don't want that mm-hmm.
2: in my brain. Get yeah. out Yeah. Yeah. When um, one of our guests coming on in a few weeks, Paige. She knows what's up. She knows what's up. Okay. She's in Arizona. When we get. When she comes out to visit, we'll get her in. She'll She's play. worked with. She worked in Afghanistan. Mm. Oh. Yeah, she does the, like, Reiki, Kundalini, super like, healing breath work. It's pretty cool. Super cool. But we should find somebody local, too. Yeah. And do something.
0: Yeah, have you ever done anything like that, Brooke?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> all bet it. Oh, do you know yeah. anybody here?
1: No, I don't. I have my Reiki master in Reno that mm-hmm. I go to whenever mm-hmm. I need something. I've got, I've got my
2: astrologist and numerologist in Reno. Oh, man. <laughs> got all the things. Maybe we should go to Reno. <laughs> you should go <come> to
1: Reno. <laughs> you guys can stay with yes. me. Yes
2: reno reno here we come mm-hmm. reno's a weird hub for spiritual people it always it, has well, been it is it is to um reno and so like in arizona like those yeah like, new the, mexico new mexico the, i you. think it's just the force
0: fields maybe yeah. that yeah. are there yeah. <laughs> reno's a weird weird, weird place mm-hmm. weird place i remember going to sedona and we just went yeah on a hike, Sedona. And then there were people like hiking around looking for um like, vortexes vortexes Yeah, yeah, was like, Understand, understand. Like, <laughs> i've been told that there's a vortex in reno but
1: i myself have not <laughs> that experienced thing. or understood i mean i do think there's a vortex there but perhaps not of the spiritual woo kind like <laughs> other kinds of vortexes seem to exist there in ways that are a little bit less attractive but... oh
0: man <laughs> oh that's funny but seriously but there are people but seriously we're going to reno yeah. Mm, maybe you have to find it on like Friday the thirteenth on a full moon. Like maybe mm-hmm. that's the only time it's available. No, so like, this it's, week. It's, it's not. It's all <laughs> happening all the time. <laughs> so can I ask how you lost your dad?
1: Oh yes. <laughs> well, we were taking a walk in the woods and he wandered off. <laughs> Never saw him <from> again. <laughs> uh, no. So he my father died of pancreatic cancer, however, we did not know he had it. Oh, so, wow. I'm an only. I'm an only child. My mom and I were actually we had, took a trip to Italy to visit our family who was there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And when we got a call while we were there, that basically said you need to come home because my mm-hmm. dad had gone in for what we thought was a routine ulcer surgery. Mm-hmm. And when they were in the surgery, they found a big massive pancreatic cancer that was. Damn blocking all the things. Yeah. And so he never came out of the surgery. So they kept Aww. him alive long enough for us to get home and say goodbye in the hospital. And then he got Whoa. eventually taken off of life support a couple of days later. Whoa.
0: So it was very Whoa. fast and completely unexpected.
1: Yeah.
2: So unexpected. Yeah. How? It's like such a thing that is like kind of like, you know, there's like two ways like people go. It's mm-hmm. either they fast. Yeah. or it's like drawn out mm-hmm. kind of thing and that's kind of like one thing that was yeah. essentially supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to find out, figure things out and mm-hmm. that, but that kind of happened so much faster than...
0: How know. did you lose mom or dad? My mom had ovarian cancer and but she was like, like, we knew for a while that's why I moved out here mm-hmm. was to, like, they found out because they had moved from Toronto to here to retire. Mm-hmm. Then my mom found out, like, two months later. And was like, hey, i moving out there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to take care of her. So there was a long time where she was sick. Mm-hmm. And, like, she got better and then got sick again. And then it was, like, it was very drawn out. And, like, like mm-hmm. you can't say, like, whether how you want someone to die. Oh, there's no like, way. Oh, I'd take it's... quick. <laughs> yeah. Like, or you always way. think, like, oh, yeah. well, at least you had time to spend with your mom. And you're like, yeah, but... But She wasn't herself, yeah, and she yeah, wasn't yeah. happy, and, like, you think you're going to figure all these things out, but it doesn't, like, answer any questions for you. No. It doesn't, like... They're, I think they're both very equally shitty. Yeah, because yeah, it was for their own reasons like, for you, right? And you're just like, well, mm-hmm. the, I d- didn't say goodbye. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I said goodbye, but, like, I don't know. I don't wish either mm-hmm. on anyone, oh, <laughs> no. but, like, it has to happen at some point. Yeah. I, I yeah.
1: don't know. My aunt died of pancreatic cancer, like after my father died but in like a much more long drawn out way
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know
2: in retrospect
1: I'm as glad as a person can be that it went down as quick like, as, as it that did. yes for that person yeah. I yeah. think
2: to like you're you're happy that they're they were never in pain where were they okay. like um that but something that's so like for the surviving people, yeah. too, can be quite hard mm-hmm. both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, something that completely flips your world,
3: yeah.
2: you know, 360 times five over again, mm-hmm. yeah. that's a lot. And then also for somebody who has to deal with, you know, watching the, their loved one in pain or going through that, it's equally as shitty mm-hmm. and not comparable.
0: Yeah. You know, it's hard it's hard. <laughs> yeah. I think the worst part is just like watching them go through that and like knowing there's nothing you can, you, do, you can do. And but you'll do anything. You're just like, I will make brownies at one a.m. Yeah. like I remember one Christmas making Adam was came for Christmas, but my mom was in the hospital, but I like really wanted to make him um Because he always has Mm -hmm. hala with turkey and brie and I was like, this is a great distraction. And I made three different (laughs) halas. Two of them I was like, no, I have to make it. So I was like up till one a.m. making hala. And I'm like, you will do the craziest shit.
2: Yeah. Just to like
0: help in any way. Like just to see a smile. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So I have a question since we're talking about like, you know the realness of all this and not just (laughs) all the shit that people expect. What are you guys, what do you guys feel guilty about that has been completely unexpected to you? With you, And I'll start, I'll tell you yeah, my thing. Sure. So, my father, when he passed away, there was a life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And we took that life insurance policy and put it into an apartment for me in New York. So, I was 22
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: and lived in an apartment that was paid for outright in New York. It wasn't it was a one bedroom, it wasn't yeah. like particularly yeah. fancy. But the bottom line is, I had home security, I didn't have to pay rent and i've carried that guilt for my most of my adult life because i have never had to struggle with paying crazy rent and wondering where i was going to live as a grown adult yeah like so many other people i know did
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: for sure but it didn't it didn't come from this like golden plated yeah trust fund it came from like losing my mm-hmm. father but still there's just like the fact that I didn't earn it mm-hmm. has trickled over throughout my entire adult life and I'm still figuring out
0: how to deal with that. Yes. Yeah. Was...
2: Really hard. Is, I, that,
0: I, is yeah. that more of like a money thing though? Or like like obviously you're guilty. You feel guilty because like where it's coming from, but It's because having
1: that security and not wondering where I was gonna live and knowing that I didn't have to shell out like Way too many thousands of dollars a month in rent because I was in New York.
2: Because your father died.
1: Because my father died. That's the only reason, right? right? But I was then allowed to pursue creative, like endeavors, endeavors yeah. that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do. That didn't necessarily pan out in a way that made me enough money to validate that I,
0: yeah,
2: own an apartment. Yeah, but you'll also think of like that stuff as a as a gift. I, yeah, right? I, I... Like, I, I, that he, like, essentially, like, in a way, I, I totally get because yeah. I have a very similar situation. Yeah. Like, that was, like, almost essentially, in an odd way, a gift from him to be, like, here.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: Like, do your shit. Like, do mm-hmm. you in the best way you possibly yeah. can.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It definitely felt like the last gift he gave both me and my mother, because it was also yeah. security for her to know that I wasn't just living with some rando <laughs> with Craigslist so random Craigslist <laughs> roommate in the Bronx. <laughs> But it's just it's, it's just interesting to me, like, when we talk about grief so often, we talk about the people who are left, right? Because mm-hmm. that is the people who experience yeah, grief are the, for the grief, ones yeah. who are left. And we usually talk about it in this, like, oh, when you feel it and when you don't. But mm-hmm. the older I get, the more complicated I realize the subject is mm-hmm. because there's a point at which the pain is not how grief presents.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's
1: the side effects of grief that kind of keep coming back and, you know, everything from the cliche, but real, (laughs) well, I had issues with my father, so therefore (laughs) I have some big blind spots in a relationship problem. Like, that's a real thing. But then also, you know, for me as an artist, I've so struggled with the idea of money from so many different angles. And I so often wonder if it's because from a very young age... I was able to literally follow whatever creative whim I had, even though there was no guarantee that it was going to make me money because I didn't have the most major Mm -hmm. expense to pay. Mm -hmm. And I often, I think about a lot, like, whether or not that stunted me as, like, a human in this society Mm -hmm. having to produce and be part of the world. and, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And then there's, then sometimes I feel like, Almost guilty for being grateful. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there should be a new hashtag. Guilty. Guilty for being grateful. Like, yeah. wait,
1: I, I, I didn't have to spend all my 20s working in a cramped office. Like, no. oh, I'm so grateful for that. But also, <gasps> oh, uh. damn the man. Like, it's
3: just,
1: it, it just feels like such a tangle in my yeah. head. And like, the, these are some of the things I find that people who've not gone through direct, direct grief. Mm-hmm don't quite get when it's removed either mm-hmm. because you know it's someone that they just didn't have a but didn't affect them in any way other than losing them as a person which matters a lot but when mm-hmm. you get
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. finances and relationships like and all these things so involved in taxes
1: more. it's just like oh my god
0: this is complicated yeah it's so complicated
2: mm-hmm. oh my god what would you say
0: i think i mean my dad's still alive So I think there's a lot of guilt. I think two things. One thing is that I didn't use the time I had wisely enough because like when my mom was sick, like we didn't know exactly when she was gonna go, but like we knew Mm -hmm. she was getting sick and you could see her deteriorate and that was painful. And I feel like I feel like there's always that part of you that feels like there's not you haven't done enough, but like I can't cure cancer, so like Mm -hmm. you have to put that piece aside and say Well, I didn't do enough to, like, connect or say goodbye or be, like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Or, like, here's all the things you're going to miss out on. Let's talk about them. Let's plan my wedding outfit that you're never going to see. See, Like, yeah. And every time an event like that comes up, I'm like, man, I should have talked about this with my mom. Or, like, I didn't use that time wisely enough because I was – I almost feel like that was a gift that I squandered was, like, not using the time wisely enough. Mm -hmm. But in that moment – when she was sick, all I was trying to do was like take care Get of her, her. Mm-hmm. and then take care of my dad and my brother because they were, mm-hmm. they were all living together. Uh, they were on the island and I was here. So I would just like be there as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to take care of them. And then mm-hmm. like on top of that, like connection, I feel like that's what I didn't do and I mm-hmm. should have, but like yeah. going back, i like, I don't know, how would I have done yeah, it had you, yeah. differently? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. No. That's kind of... That's just,
2: always that thing that we are stuck with, right? That what if we did this or what if we did that or how would we have done this a little bit better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, that's you, the part you, of it. Do you
1: think people who've lost parents like we have are stuck in that what if loop
2: more than other people? I think so. Spec-
0: yeah, Definitely. I think, I think it yeah. makes me think better about like current relationships and like okay well what if that person like you know mm-hmm. like I definitely made this mistake before well I won't mm-hmm. make it again I,
1: right?
2: w- I feel like I worry a lot more about the people yeah. I love
1: I find it paralyzing sometimes yes.
2: Like I was literally in the pool, so I was on yeah. the plane and this is where I'm like I need this breath work because mm-hmm. I I'm terrified of flying because I don't want to die <laughs> 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 and I'm terrified of when my Family flies or anyone I know oh, flies. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: Um, even though I know it's probably like the safest route, but I also know like in a car accident you could survive, but in a plane crash you probably won't. <laughs> yeah. So there's like that. Like I would rather have a greater probability of living with one limb maybe yeah. than not living at all. I and mean, then we need to
1: get you some game theory statistics. Yes. <laughs> 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 it's quite
2: not quite right, but yes. <laughs> but I'm sitting in my seat and I'm like, so one of my friends, is dad is a pilot, and he said the first seven minutes of a flight is the most critical mm-hmm. and also this, the last seven yeah. minutes. Yeah. This is me. The first seven minutes? I my my, literally, I hope no one saw me because it looked like I was no. activating a bomb. Yeah. And then I'm like, literally, I'm so stressed out inside, and all I'm thinking of is I love EJ so much, I don't want to lose him. I don't want him to lose me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like... I have so much love that I can't, I can't go. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so stressed about flying and I worry about everybody else. I worry about when he drives somewhere, if he's going to come home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we, as like somebody who loses somebody,
3: mm-hmm.
2: feels all the time. Mm-hmm. Like a constant. I Sometimes I'm at the corner of an intersection and be like, like... I I play me getting into a car accident mm-hmm. because it's like what it constants what mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Sometimes when Adam's like late because he's never late, I'm like, oh my god, is he okay? He's dead, <laughs> like for sure. It's like
2: worst happens. case scenario.
0: Yeah. And he's like, my phone dead. I'm like,
2: oh, <laughs> oh, Thank that's, it. <laughs> <Yeah>. that's it.
0: That's <laughs> it. I'm okay. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> but it does become like
2: paralyzing. Yeah. And it makes you Fury. think like, like. I'm over worrying for sure but I don't know there's a cause like there's a reason you're over worrying but can I make this easier on myself mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because it's sometimes it is so hard and you're like you're you said exactly perfectly it is paralyzing mm-hmm. yeah but yeah I think one of the two for me like oh very much similar to you like I came into money I've never really had to worry about money like I've been like like, I've been like a student poor, but like, I've also had my grandparents to like fund me. <laughs> and then we got in a settlement, like, we were in a, a drawn out seven year lawsuit mm. that finally panned out. But, and that's why I got to do the things that I did mm-hmm. and owned a condo and, and did all this stuff. And there's sometimes I'm like, oh, like, I shouldn't have spent this money on this, but that it's not so much what I'm like guilty of. It's always there in my head that there was this, all this money, Mm -hmm. but I am doing what I want to do and it gives me opportunity to do more things. But my mom also had fibromyalgia, Mm -hmm. so she also suffered a Mm -hmm. lot. And what I wish more is that I knew more about what she was going through because she was depressed and she was hurting and I didn't know that at 17. And so that's what I hurt the most about is that how much pain she was in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I think that's my like biggest regret is yeah, not being 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know.
1: Yeah, the thing that gets me the most as an adult is like wanting to know my father as an adult. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I mean cuz like I was a
0: dick when I was 15. I know. <laughs> I feel like uh, I totally get it. I feel like I was starting that, like, adult relationship with my mom. Like, I had a yeah. couple years of it. And mm-hmm. then it got taken away right in the middle. Oh, and it's was like, no. No, yes. like, yeah, Like, she needs to see some stuff. I
2: know. <laughs> I wish know. my... Yeah, that's the thing is, like, I wish she could see me as an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Because I was an ass as a kid. Like, I... I got in trouble for, like, shoplifting. I was a bad kid. And, like... You know? And... I just wish she got to see me get that hockey scholarship. I wish she got to see me, like, do all those things that I did after she died that mm-hmm, gave yeah. me that drive to be, like, I'm going to be a better person because of you. Mm-hmm. And I wish she got to see all that. And that's what kind of sucks. Oh. It's like we don't get that opportunity as an adult to have our relationship with the person that means so much to us. Mm-hmm.
1: I also don't think I would have turned out as well <laughs> yeah, had my yes, father not 100%. died. 100%. Like, I, I wasn't shoplifting, but... <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely wouldn't be as interesting. <laughs> I don't think I'd have the push to, 100%, to do yeah. things that are different in that matter and to kind of have had that vault to maturity so quickly that it makes you think about things differently. For sure.
2: But I think there's something about people with, like, trauma and just pain. There's something about us, essentially, that is so interesting to people mm-hmm. and gives us creativity and gives us like there i it's almost like a superpower that we have
3: mm-hmm.
2: this like intuitive side and this also like creative side because we have felt so much
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's a gift in itself i think mm-hmm. Feel that pain in order to like, <laughs> realize so, the joys for sure. in
0: life. And like, it doesn't go away, right? It's at like, a cost. You were man. 17 and you yeah. were 15. I was like, I don't know, 27. We're so, so old like babies. That. Like, it's like one year, two year, three year. It nev- it's never going to go away.
2: It no, just, it's like, not.
0: You deal with it.
2: You learn how to, like, you learn how to live this life now that what we are currently living. Like, it's not like, oh, I think the the thing I hate the most the phrase is time will heal all wounds I wish that was banished Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: from like every saying possible because it's not true like it it, things will not heal like you just learn to like live this new normal that you have Mm -hmm. and you learn to kind of like move forward and things like that I just I don't believe it it ever like heals like I don't think that's true you grow
0: with it yeah it it helps you grow like And maybe, like,
2: I have a cool scar. Yeah. Yeah, like, show off my scar. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know
0: about
2: healing. I feel like you disagree with me. I think I disagree. (laughs) That's okay. That's totally fine. I
1: I, I do disagree, but I don't think that it happens just by waiting.
0: Yeah.
1: No. I think that there's a significant amount of work that needs to be done, and that it's not so... And that that healing, to me, is not erasing what happened. Mm -hmm. It's... it's, It's effectively making the wound stronger. Mm -hmm. I guess for me, or or it's it's, it's healing the wound. Like it's more of a scar. It's making it stronger, but so the the skin is tougher there. Yeah, you don't. You don't.
2: It's not that it never goes away, but it it doesn't. It doesn't hurt all the time anymore. Yes, Mm -hmm. so I can get on board with that. But I feel like gently saying, like from general public, it's like, oh, like time will heal all wounds. Like you'll be fine after a while. Like I don't like I feel like the phrase is just so general, yeah. And that's why I hate it so much. (laughs) So it's kind of one of those things that it's like, yes, you're like I agree. Like yes, your your that scar is going to get thicker and your skin is going to get thicker and you're going to be more resilient. And things don't hurt all the time as much. Like it it definitely doesn't hurt like it did like a year after every day. Like you know how you feel that you know like how can my heart hurt Mm -hmm. this much and it does happen right like you'll get days where you're like why is my heart like actually in physical pain Mm -hmm. and you get that every once in a while still but it's not like it's every day anymore and it's not like like that so that does get better over time and work and and real work
1: Okay. okay two things okay i have two things to say about that so the first thing is this analogy for grief i heard recently that i loved so if you imagine your life is a box,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: a square,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you imagine your grief as a circle,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there's a button, a red button, <laughs> on the inside of the box. Yeah. And when the circle's really big, when the grief is really strong, when like mm-hmm. the thing has just happened, if the circle moves around even a little bit, it hits the button. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that heart-hurting thing yeah. is just, like, going off. All the time, you go to the grocery mm-hmm. store, it goes off yeah. like yeah. all the time. Yeah. But over time, the circle gets smaller, mm-hmm. and the circle becomes freer mm-hmm. in the box. So mm-hmm. it's still all moving around, but it doesn't hit the button as frequently. Yeah, but when sorry. it does hit the button,
3: it, the it button. feels oh. just
1: as strong <laughs> so, yeah. as it yeah. did For when sure. the circle was really big. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. when I when I talk about healing from traumas, and I I think grief is a little when you lose someone the grief is just kind of its own beast but if we talk mm-hmm. about it, the thing is you didn't just have grief you had huge trauma well yeah, I mean like, like, trauma losing someone is, is trauma, trauma but you had an actual trauma accident yeah. like a life mm-hmm. trauma that came with that as opposed mm-hmm. to just the emotional trauma mm-hmm. so it's even more intensified I imagine but to me like If you had something happen to you as a kid, whether or not it's something super serious or something that wasn't objectively serious Mm -hmm. but still imprinted big on the kid Mm -hmm. that affects you long term. like I do think it's possible to heal those wounds to an extent to where you can look back in an objective way Mm -hmm. and say this thing happened but it no longer is manifesting in my current life. Yes, Uh, yeah. But what I think happens to people a lot of time is that they think if they just kind of push it away and they never deal Mm -hmm. with it and they do the work time will heal all wounds but what happens is the pain and the trauma just manifests Mm -hmm. in a hundred different kinds of ways whether or not it's illness or addiction or fibromyalgia or whatever it is and people get confused because they think it's a physical ailment, they think it's somebody else's Fault that yeah. this shitty thing has happened to them. When my belief, from my experience, is that with with the work, mm-hmm. you can actually heal those traumas to the point where you are no longer triggered yeah. by I anything that happens in the universe. They don't go away, but mm-hmm. the heart doesn't hurt anymore.
2: Yeah, I like I can agree with that. Like I think that's super relevant to like i don't know i heard this like this also quote that was really really good that was like about taking responsibility Mm -hmm. for things that have happened to us so Mm -hmm. whether it was a trauma or or what that we're not responsible for what happened to us but we are responsible for our healing yeah Yeah, and that and we have to do the work because it is shitty yes like it is shitty that our parents died and it should be that all these other things that happened to us or anybody else like Maybe listening, that you've had something happen to you. it It is really shitty that that happened to you, and you're not responsible for that by any means, but you are responsible to yeah. help yourself and heal. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like, that's always like stuck with me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: yeah. For me, I was like trying to make myself responsible for the rest of my family healing, and I was like, you that was too much. Manage. Like, I can't. Yeah, you can't, can't make do a,
2: it. You can only be responsible for your own. <laughs> it's yeah. A, Especially, I think, with fathers. Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard. I think, and I, I, to this day, don't believe that my dad has ever grieved my mom. Mm. He can't, sometimes it's hard for him to look at me. Yeah. He, he will start to, like, cry Mm -hmm. if you talk about her, Mm -hmm. or if Mm -hmm. he sees, like, a mother and a child, like, a kid, Mm -hmm. like, a a girl together. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard, because I don't think he will, will ever that and I think that has a lot to do with like families and like how he grew up and
0: generational,
2: it plays play so much on it, and it's affected my brothers tremendously.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and their way of like how they deal with it mm-hmm. is like how I look at it. Because again, as the only female now in the mm-hmm. family, you're the one that tries to keep everybody together and also tries to like help them, but yeah. you can't.
0: You know, you and, can't you be how,
2: like, and you see how, when you because that's not your role, no. and you can see how they are hurting mm-hmm. and like how they're they are dealing with it or not dealing with it, and it's, it's hard, mm. you know. So hard. Did your mom ever remarry or date? No, no.
3: multiple
1: times. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, how you, did you find that? yeah so my mom got involved and married someone about a year year and a half okay. after my dad yeah. died which felt soon to me
3: mm-hmm.
1: they were together for about eight years and got divorced mm-hmm. and now she's been with someone for about god almost like 10 years Okay, um, they didn't get married but they're, still they're together. together yeah i you know I think my mom and I are cut from different cloths when it comes to relationships in general, Mm -hmm. and a lot of it's generational. Yes, Uh, but at the end of the day, I probably didn't give any of these people did the a break they deserved. <laughs> For sure.
2: I can agree with you. Because, you know, I could I could, I
1: could could find a whole bunch of cliches and fits that I threw about you not being my father, but, like, I don't think anyone is ever trying to be my father. I don't no. think they wanted to be my father. I was yeah. just... You know, I was yeah. in pain and being a jerk and wanted the world okay, to so revolve around me. I'm not the only one here. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. That's the struggle. Yeah, yeah. I, I You're kind of going through that now? Yeah, like...
0: You want your mom or dad to, like, be happy and you think that they deserve that. So, like, I don't know what my mom and dad talked about, but I assume that they talked about the future. And, like, if one of us dies, like, are we okay with whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good conversation (laughs) every couple should have. (laughs) So, I assume that was, like, cool with them. And I think my dad should be happy and not alone but then you start thinking, like, oh, but she's going to, like, hang out in our home and do stuff so and, like, hard. touch mom's stuff and, like, and like be my almost mom. Like, is she going to come at Christmas? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's so hard.
1: We also just revert back into our role so easily, oh which God. is, like, I'm the child and totally. you like, it. I'm just, I come mm. first.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's, I, that's your, your I know
1: it's irrational, but I do.
2: do Absolutely,
0: you. it's so irrational. I was
2: so irrational. You guys know, I can't even believe I'm telling you guys <laughs> this. But I was in college and I was so. I heard she was moving in. Oh my god. Stress. I lost my shit. <laughs> and I took my ass home. And I took all my mom's shit out of the house. Oh my god. Yeah. Whoa. My brother helped me because I forced him to. <laughs> You're like, she's not touching it. Yeah, it's not hers. Like, and I was mm-hmm. so, and she is the sweetest woman ever. Like, and that's like, now, like, I love her and mm-hmm. my dad. Like, you know, like, she's great for my dad and she is a good person. Mm-hmm. But I was like, she was terrified of me. Yeah. Like, terrified. Yeah. <laughs> My stepdad used to just give me money, I think,
1: to <laughs> make me, like, know. calm down. He would, like, take me out, buy me a beer, and give me $100. I think it was, like, his peace offering. Yeah, that's sure. right.
2: yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, and then I'm like, oh, so this is going to be bad. I was like, Dad, you just want to take that furniture back, right? <laughs> Can we just call this, uh, good? <laughs> But now you look back and you're like, wow, I'm such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but And it, it sucks because it did put a huge, like, me and my dad didn't talk for about a year oh. or so. And that hurt so much. It, it hurt us both. And I think, like, now we're we're at a really good place. And I think I've told him what I needed to tell him. Mm-hmm. That I was sorry for everything that, you know, I did that was my fault. And the only thing I can do now, <clears throat> now is, like, move forward
3: mm-hmm.
2: and grow a relationship. So, yeah. But it's hard.
1: (laughs) So, okay, so, all right, so we're all in, we're all in our 30s. Yes. we're all in relationships <laughs> I just to just to continue on the weirdness of like having an understanding of this this experience it's not often, early on three like, of right? us in a room <laughs> okay so I had to meet with a lawyer a couple weeks ago in order to figure out what to do with my will and estate, and answer yeah. all of these questions about like what happens in the event that everyone you know is dead and you're dead <laughs> what happens to all your stuff? And I just found myself, like, so perplexed yeah. at having that conversation it's at what so felt weird. like really young. like Yeah,
2: yeah. I had a will. You're married,
1: so you probably had to do it, right? Yeah,
2: I did it, but I also had to do it along prior to that because I had a, a lawsuit in play. Oh, so yes. that would have played out no matter what, yeah. right? Because yeah. it was a wrongful death and, like, a personal injury lawsuit, mm-hmm. which was crazy yeah. because it was, like, a tort case as well. That's why it took so long because it was in the States, but they tried to like canal Anyways, long story. But I had a will when I was 19. Wow. You're like,
0: and Susie gets my makeup. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah,
2: so I just was like, okay, My Backstreet well, Boys CD yeah. goes to Jessica. Yeah. So I just basically split it between my two brothers. Yeah. And I was like, it's 50 50. Yeah. yeah, That's it. And now it's like, they don't get anything. But now, yeah, so obviously now I'm married that everything would go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. But,
1: but that was a weird conversation. It was. It was
2: that my grandma took my, honestly, I was very yeah. lucky. I had amazing grandparents, which was my mom's mom yeah. and her husband. And they were very financially like savvy. Like, mm-hmm. very. So... They always made sure, like, I had everything I needed. They made sure, like, I had, like, made sure I was putting money in investments and things like that. So I was very lucky that way. And, like, she's like, hey, we're going to go get you a will and stuff like that, where I think... But that also hurt, I think, my dad, because my dad didn't ever, mm-hmm. like, teach me how to do yeah. that stuff. And I think mm-hmm. he wanted to, yeah, but was also preoccupied by a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So... There is such a... Money is such a conflicting, weird thing that you don't want to talk about, but needs to be talked about, (laughs) kind of thing. Yeah. So... Well,
1: and not just money. It's, like, what happens, like, with end-of-life stuff, and I've noticed I've had to have serious conversations with the people in my life about what happens to me in the event that I'm not able to make my own health decisions, and... Yeah, like hold
0: my plug, or like or not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and
1: like I'm watching my mom go through that with her father now, but he's 94, and they talked about mm-hmm. it 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's just
2: like, but I having those conversations yeah, are so I re so I remember important. this like to a T of sitting in the kitchen. I had to have been like seven, 16, mm-hmm. 15 or 16. And my parents having a conversation, and it kind of, like, gut-wrenching hurts, because my dad was like, I want my ashes to mm-hmm. be spread along Georgian Bay in Ontario. Yeah. My mom literally was like, I don't want to die. Oh, yeah. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Damn. And I'm just, like, now looking back at yeah. hearing that, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, and I, I've told you about this. Yeah. My mom went to a psychic January 20th. Mm-hmm. To know t- nine, it was like nine days work. before she died, to ask the psychic, and I have the psychic's name written down in her address book, mm-hmm. if we as children will be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she knew, she knew, she yeah. knew and mm-hmm. she was ready, and all mm-hmm. of these things, but it's still kind of like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. kind of crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah, they. I remember them talking about what they wanted mm-hmm. to do, and I remember like listening to
3: mm-hmm.
2: it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is so important. And Nija and I talk about that all the time. Yeah, like we I talk was about. Say, it. Have you guys had conversations? Oh with, yeah, with,
0: with people like, about it, because. I I wasn't the executor of my mom's Mm -hmm. will, but my dad officially was. But like, I did it. Yeah, yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like to me, I am really good at compartmentalizing the like paper shit. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. all that. Because that's how your brain works. That's exactly (laughs) how my brain works. That's like something easily for me to distract my Mm -hmm. brain with. For me, it was harder to have the conversation of like, and we had to have the conversation. Adam, if I die, <laughs> I want you to be happy. But it's hard for me to say I'm okay if you date. <laughs> like, I'm a really hot the bitch right forever. Now. <laughs> like you know,
1: like, for sure. I want to blow up doll all of me in the corner, and <laughs> you will be in a relationship with that forever.
2: <laughs> I know it is. It is hard to like yeah. have that conversation. And of course, like if I die, I would want EJ to be happy. I honestly don't like. I don't know I don't think I think he would just stay single for a long long time oh, yeah he's just he is like that he is loyal to like a fault yeah almost but I could be wrong there could be some lucky lady out there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we, we do have those conversations and I do think it is easier for men to get into a relationship after that mm. than it is for a woman I'm yeah. most generalizing but, mm. but
0: interesting I don't know yeah. what I would do I feel like I'm more like EJ. I'd be
2: like, no one's going to be as good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's like a lot of times I hear when people remarry, it's the opposite of who they...
0: Yeah. Oh, really? They have. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Huh. They're like completely different than the person that they, they have married. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone should have a will.
1: <laughs> have a will. Yeah. Have um, the hard conversations now
0: because yeah. it's
2: going to be harder if you wait too long. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I don't have kids either. Yeah. So that makes it even, I just assume that gets way more
2: complicated. I mean, you do have a fur baby.
0: Yeah. Rex, you get everything. (laughs) Yeah. You just get Rex everything. Adam gets everything. He
1: totally knows what to
0: do with it. (laughs) On a lighter note, Brooke, what are you doing now? I hear you're writing a book. I Well, yeah, I've actually finished a book. What?
1: Um, So my book is currently out with agents. And I just sit and wait for them to decide whether or not they like me, which is, you know, fantastic.
0: <laughs> but book uh, I like that, right?
1: Yeah, this is my second book. The first one was easier because it was a cookbook, so it wasn't nearly as
0: emotionally oh, for
2: sure. and trying,
1: and we we already had an agent,
2: and yeah, it was I, just easier. I read but. something that you said about it needing to be out into the world. Can you kind of, like, elaborate yes. on that? So, I thought it was really, like good and deep and good
1: yeah so we we didn't get too much into this part of my story but I mentioned earlier about the fact that I was put on antidepressants from 15 to 30 and then decided to get off of them so the book on the surface is about the year of being an antidepressant withdrawal which is a very scantily researched Mm -hmm. topic that most psychiatrists even don't know jack shit about and Mm -hmm. there's just like tens of thousands of people wandering around confused who think they're insane who've had this experience so on the surface the book is about that (laughs) but at its core the book is really about what happens when medicated children grow up and begin to question the choices that their parents made for them Mm. because I was one of you know I was medicated in 2000 somewhere on the cusp of 2001 and 2002 we Mm -hmm. the records have since been destroyed Mm -hmm. and we can't remember (laughs) the exact timeline but we know it was around then and so Prozac was became generic there's a generic Prozac that came out in 2001 they were just started to medicate kids in around that around that time Mm -hmm. so I was I was one of the first generations to be pumped up with all of these drugs and because there haven't been any truly long-term studies Mm -hmm. on long-term antidepressant use and what happens like antidepressant withdrawal after long-term use most of the antidepressant withdrawal studies are from you know they last four to eight weeks they're from people who've been on the drugs for a few months to maybe a year they're we're not talking serious long-term 15 years and especially over developmental time like I yeah went through puberty under these drugs and every single decision I made was made through the lens of these of of these drugs and when I got off of them my world just exploded because as you mentioned earlier like I, I had no idea who I was on the most basic level like it wasn't even existential it was straight up like yesterday I used to like to listen to this kind of music and today it makes me feel like my ears are bleeding like yeah. what kind of music do I like I couldn't wear the same clothes because it felt like The the fibers were scratching my skin. My eyesight changed. My taste buds changed. Insane. And then the the mindset changes on top of all of that as well. So it was just this entire reorganization of who I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And so the book is about that, but it's also about going back through the reasons why I was medicated in the first place and my parent, my mom's thought process at the time, because... You know, my mom has always been I mean, she she's my favorite person and she's my best friend and we have that relationship now, but in getting off the drugs we kinda had to go back through and figure out like
3: Deal with
1: it? Yeah, now that we've seen the consequences of this, you know, effectively do we regret it. Mm-hmm. Um and I never felt any sort of ill will towards her at all, but what I learned throughout the process of writing this book was I got so much more of her history. I got more of my dad's history. Mm-hmm. I learned about much more about who they were as people that led to them being effectively ill-equipped to handling the situation I ultimately was in. And so the book ends up being about the process of forgiving them for their own lives mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as well. So and it's about taking control and having to make my own choices and make my own decisions and learn how to heal myself while all this was happening and I was traveling around the world at the time so it's like taking place in Thailand or Cambodia or whatever so crazy. It, it, it was uh a really interesting <laughs> it, was a, it was a hell of a year <laughs> yeah, absolutely. but so the book I spent two years writing it it's I had an article about that was effectively a very condensed version of the book come out in the
0: Washington Post this
2: that was past year. So yeah, I loved <laughs> it. So awesome.
0: Teaser, yeah. teaser.
1: <laughs> so the hope now is that the book gets picked up by an agent this year, and then cool. would hopefully at this point, especially with. COVID-19 and the Mm -hmm. fact that all of the printing presses in China are shut down Yeah. realistically this probably isn't going to be out till either late 2021 or 2022 which is just like I started this in 2017 this is such a long (laughs) process Mm -hmm. but I think the timing is getting better and better as a collective society so Mm
0: -hmm.
2: yeah yeah I think it's such a great time for this book to like come out
0: yeah people are really starting to question like should I go on drugs sure. yeah. or should I actually try to understand who I am and whether I can deal with
2: this in natural ways. Yeah. And like tool, giving you, given you like tools to use. Mm-hmm.
0: And even preventing things. Like even mm-hmm. if you're not in, had any sort of trauma, there's a lot more openness to talking about, okay, mm-hmm. well, how do you deal with a hard situation such that in the future, you know yourself when something inevitably mm-hmm. happens yeah. to deal with it.
1: And I think everyone's had trauma. I mean, there are, sure. w- we like to categorize trauma mm-hmm. on a hierarchy mm-hmm. of
0: shit. <laughs> yep. Comparing, like, the shit hierarchy. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and I, you know, someone who objectively has had some shit happen to them on a fairly high level of the shit scale. You know, I think I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who, you know, they kind of come, come to me and they... Say you know I I feel all these things or I've been on an antidepressants since I was eight or all these terrible things and they're like and nothing ever nothing bad has ever happened to me and you can tell that they feel this huge amount of guilt not only for the way they feel but because they don't have the the
2: what they feel is yeah. like the credential yeah exactly the, they don't they to, don't deserve to, to feel it. the way they exactly. feel and
1: I think that's so detrimental because we carry these things in ways we don't we can't, we don't even understand. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm super interested in, you know, trauma that happens while we're in the womb, and Mm -hmm. generational trauma, and all these things that don't necessarily require, like,
2: something, an action, something, Yeah. yeah, yeah, something
1: obviously awful to happen to you to create a lot of pain, so... I think we're kind of more aware of the true connectivity of who we are as humans and our
2: lineage. The more. That's quite interesting. The I more think. we can heal this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I That's hate to funny. even cut this off. I
0: <laughs> can I have your book now?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could have my book now.
0: Yeah. I'm, any I might I'm very, yes. I'm very impatient. If there's any agents listening to the No Whip podcast, you need to contact Brooke.
2: <laughs> need to get this out.
0: Her details will be in the show notes. <laughs> Before we wrap anything, Brooke, you want to tell the No Whip listeners?
1: Oh, man. <laughs> wash your hands. Wash you your mean, hands. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wash your hands, I guess. But... <laughs> uh. I I think that's kind of the biggest thing for me is that, like, all these emotional reactions that we have, they're never, they're never out of the blue, and they're never caused by you. That doesn't mean you don't take responsibility for them, but there's something that is triggering an issue that you need to work on. So mm-hmm. for me, it's just, it's like, I just, if I'm ever, like, extraordinarily upset about something,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I look at it as a map. Mm-hmm. I say, all right, what what is it here that this is trying to point me to? And especially if there's a pattern involved mm-hmm. and way too much time has passed to which my feeling is no longer relevant to the incident that to me says, okay, there's an issue here and I need to work on it. And I'm sure that can be pretty exhausting to be around, but <laughs> my life keeps getting better. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, amazing. I just, I just, I would I would tell the listeners to... If you can stop beating yourself up for feeling the way you're feeling and instead get curious about it and look at, you know, the reasons why it might be happening. And if you can't answer it for yourself, look at your parents.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Look at their experiences and how their twisted view of the world mm-hmm. has influenced your twisted view of the world mm-hmm. and find some compassion for yourself
2: in that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amazing.
0: Thanks for joining us, Brooke. You're welcome. This was awesome. You're gonna have to come back once the book is out. Excellent. But probably before that. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Listening, no whip listeners. Follow us on Instagram. Brooke's Instagram will be in the show notes and links to her article so you can check it out. It's really good. Cheers.
2: Cheers. <laughs>